Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. My name is Adam Mansfield. I'm pumped to be here sharing the word with you today. It's exciting. I'm not a pastor. I'm also not really a preacher. My job, Monday to Friday, is fire and security. However, I am a man called by God. And I want to bring you a word today that I genuinely feel that he's been pressing on my heart before this series ever came out and they asked me to preach it. And um, I just want to preface the message by saying, and I do this most times when I've spoken here, that I never bring a word to the church that I don't feel that God is destroying me about. So when I bring something to you, believe me, this is not me saying this is what you need to do. This is me just giving you a devotion or a look into my life of what I've been praying about, feeling stirred about over the last two months. And if you get something from it, cool. If you don't, cool. I'll keep practicing. Having said that, like I just said, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a paid staff member here. And so if there's something that I say that's incorrect or wrong, please email amy.jordan at imnotbothered.com. I'm joking. Carrying on with the series, Bothered. I think the whole series, the whole word has connotations, but for me, the Bothered series has bothered me, and I guess it should, that's the point. Nath opened up, did a phenomenal job of am I hearing and am I hiding was his two points. You can hear God and not actually do what he says, you can hear God and think, oh, that's not for me, so I'll I'll hide it, I'll keep it, and I just thought Nath did a fantastic job of opening that. And then Ed... Then the next week did a life bothered by hope and carried it on there with a hope bothered life is marked by giving and a hope bothered life is marked by gratitude. I just really feel that if, if you'd listened and took what Naif said and put it into practice then your life would look quite like what then Ed put out and I thought they linked really well. Then Simon preached last week, nothing to do with bothered. <laughs> So now I'm just going to continue. Are you ready? Yeah. I feel like you're ready. I feel like church over the last couple of weeks has felt like, yeah. like anything can happen and it probably will. And I don't want that to change today. So I, I, want, to, I want our posture to be like, come on, let's go, Holy Spirit. Let's do something. If you've known me for any more than seven minutes, you will know that everything in life bothers me. I get bothered by rattles. I get bothered by stupid comments. Most of all rattles though, little tiny stories, Steph can vouch for me here. We bought a new car once, it wasn't brand new, it was just new to us. And on the way home I said to Steph, like I was driving and there was just a little, and from the dash in front. And so I said to Steph, I can't deal with this. She said, what do you mean I can't deal with this? I said, I pulled over, I said, Steph, you drive. She jumped in the car. Well, on the way home from Bristol, driving on the motorway whilst I was stripping down the dash, taking the whole car apart to stop the rattle. And Ed and Nath both started the message by stuff that that bothers them to start the message. I wanted to go a little bit deeper about stuff that bothers us 
as the British public. If you're not British, you can still laugh at these because you've come here to this country and gone, why have I come here? I don't know. Because we are a weird bunch. And so some of these, hopefully, will explain to you what we're like. Ready? This is a statement. It's an absolute nightmare to a British person means something is of slight inconvenience (laughs) of which I will say nothing about as I'm British. (laughs) However, if we say it's not ideal, that means it's absolutely terrible and ruined forever. Steph done this the other day. Steph's my wife, by the way, on the front row. You see her, she sometimes does worship. And the other day, it's like, it's an absolute nightmare. And just talking about something completely irrelevant. And then when I said to her, how are you doing? Because one of our daughters has been up and she saw pretty much every single hour of the night. She turned to me and just went, oh, it's not ideal. And I was like, how can one thing be an absolute nightmare and it's about a cheese sandwich? And the other thing, I'm... In England, this is a genuine sentence. Laura Geechers. Ready? Excuse me. Sorry. Do you mind? Would you mind if I just... Sorry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> why, why do we do it? Why do we do I don't know. But we have to, don't we? We can't ask someone, can, can I just have the rice? We have to apologise 58 times before we can get it. <laughs> connect group leaders. This one's for you. They start the connect group by saying, I thought it would be nice to go around the room and just say a few things about yourself. Everyone in the room, you thought wrong. (laughs) I did this the other week, and me and Steph run guest services, and we had a guest service meeting, and I literally started started the meeting, not about just saying stuff about yourself, but I just said, let's go around the room and just talk about your teams and what we did. You were wrong. (laughs) Brits. Unable to stand upright due to the horrific wind, Leaves and twigs smashing into our faces, eyes watering and tears dripping down our freezing cold faces, which are quickly wiped away by the gale force winds. Yet we cannot resist saying to the person that we're walking with, it's a bit windy. (laughs) An extremely handy tip for British people considering socialising. Don't. And last one, just our language. Why do I get into a car and into a bus? Yeah, I'm in the car and I'm on the bus. See, none of you know the answer, do you? I want to read to you from the Bible. There's not really a really clever way of linking that, to be honest. I want to read to you from the story on the road to Emmaus in which two people were bothered and then I want to unpack a few little things from the scripture. Teach it, speak about it a bit and then at the end hopefully it will turn to a little bit of preaching. All right, on the road to Emmaus. It should be on the screen behind me. Luke 24. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had just happened And they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. 
He asked them, what are you discussing? They stood there still, faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened here these days? What things? He asked. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day. Since all this took place, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was sat at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us when he talked on the road and opened the scriptures? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them as assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, how Jesus was recognised in the breaking of the bread. What an amazing story, isn't it? What's amazing here, let me just explain what, what's going on. Obviously, three days prior, Jesus was killed on a cross. And two weeks, three weeks before that was trial after trial after trial after trial of Jesus. Trying to work out whether they were going to kill him, what they could do with him, could they just remove him, but he'd done too much. So how do they deal with this guy? So Cleopas... And his companion, obviously unnamed, call him Kevin, call him what you want, walking on the road and they're trying to discuss what's happened over the past. They've probably been following this guy because they were clearly believers, talking about the stories and hoping that he was the one to redeem Israel. Talking about everything that had happened, they had been following him for the last three years, maybe, say two, one, been following his journey, following what, what he said, following the fact of how he's trying to bring this kingdom about, following him and believing that he was the one to come and redeem Israel. Most of the guys back in that day felt and thought that redeeming Israel looked like King David, so it would come in force, would come in power, would dethrone the Roman Empire. Yet he'd just been killed. And so easily, I find, you can read scriptures like this and just brush over it. And actually, they believed this guy. They trusted this guy, Jesus. They trusted every word. They hung on every word that he said. They were about him. They followed him. They'd gone to the trial. And he'd been killed. Every single thought process that they must have had about him was doubt. The scripture says their faces were downcast. They were gutted. Their best friend had died. The guy that they believed and trusted 
had died. But what's interesting was, their mind had, their faces were downcast. Speaking on the road, seven and a half miles, like what's just happened, Jesus is with them. The people there have just witnessed one of the most brutal murders of all time. Genuinely believing, a lot of them, this was the guy to save them, and he's gone. And Jesus is on the road with them, talking. And they didn't know it. Their minds were wandering. Their minds were questioning. They would have been debating what was happening, debating what would happen next. And he sat there speaking with them. They didn't know it. And Jesus breathes life into dead things. He comes down and renews their minds when they were wandering, when they were questioning. He walks with them and renews the thought process and explains scripture to them. I just find that whole concept. They might not have known it, yet he was still redeeming them. It's class. Then I want you to see here at the end of the scripture, Luke 24, 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, once they'd recognised him after the breaking of bread. I thought about it, what would I do if I was walking on the road, speaking with him, chatting with him, but didn't know it was him, and then suddenly recognised it was him after the breaking of bread? What would I do? And it says here, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Point one, they got up and returned at once. I really feel like in this the time over the last six weeks, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there is something happening in church. Yeah, yeah. There is something happening in church. And we have the ability to be part of it or to miss it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I like Deuteronomy, I want to say, choose life. Yeah. Get back to the place yeah. where it started. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, six weeks might feel like, oh cool, something's happening. Get back to the place. It's not about what's happening now in the six weeks. It's about Jesus Christ and his church. And yes, that's what's happening here. But I just want to implore you all, get back to Jesus. Get back to a relationship. Get back to his church. Get back to where it all began for you. So many times we can sit. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Obviously, you're in church. If you're new here, it's phenomenal that you're here. I love it. But for some of us in the room, let me just challenge where challenges you. We've been in church for so long that it becomes irrelevant. We've been in church for so long that the scriptures and the words just mean nothing and they brush over us. But this is life changing. It's life changing. Get back to the place where it started. Get back to your first love. Get back to praying and talking about Jesus. It's not cliche. It's not cliche. I think so many times, you know, like the saying, like you're so loved or Jesus loves you. And we can like take the mick out of it and just be like, Jesus loves you. 
man, if you get the revelation that Jesus actually loves you, (laughs) he loves you. Get back to fasting. It's not Old Testament. It's the power in fasting. If you don't know what fasting is, literally just removing something from your life and then focusing on Christ. Normally we talk about it being food and I think the powerful thing is the food because it messes you up. (laughs) And then focusing on Jesus, focusing on his word, I I implore you to do it. Get back to reading his word, like actually reading his word and not just reading it, believing it. Believe in it. Get back to the place where it all started. Get back to the church. Get back to God's people. Get back to the gospel. That's not cliche. That's not cliche. Jesus dying for you personally, like me alone, you alone. He would do it all again just for you individually. That's, that's a thought. That's a thought. And I feel so many times we just, we hear it from platform and whew, he would do it for you alone. Get back to stepping out in faith. Now that's what I feel over the last six weeks has been absolutely phenomenal. I feel like the place is changing where we can do a little bit more and we're a little bit more brave. After today, I hope that we're even more brave. Yeah? If you feel like Jesus is calling you to get to your knees, get to your knees. In worship, if you need to bow down on the floor and get weird, get weird. We believe in a God that became human. We're already weird. Lying on the floor is nothing. Get back to stepping out and believing it. Get back to talking about the goodness of God. A song that's on my um, playlist at the moment is C.C. Winans, but it's a Bethel song, The Goodness of God. And just, it's almost on repeat at work at the moment because it's just, there's just something about me that I need to be around that. Hey, he's good. He's good. It's not cliche. He's good. I can keep saying it because he's good. I won't read you all the lyrics. <laughs> Point two. Get your 11. Get your 11. It says here, they got up, Luke 24, 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 yeah. and those with them. Yeah. The 11 disciples. Yeah. The guys that had been around Jesus the most. The guys that cared the most. The guys that were taking the church forward, their wives, their kids, whatever. They found the 11 and others. What's my challenge? Get your 11. Get your 11. Who's the people that are around you that inspire you? Not just your friends that are going to say, oh, your hair looks beautiful. That you can do that at the women's night. Get your 11 that's going to challenge you. That's going to say, what are you reading? What's God talking to you about? I've been praying for you this week. I've been prophesying over you this week. Get your 11. It's important. That's why I'm pressing it. It's important. It's not just about sitting in a room with 180 odd people, 160 odd people in service one and then walking out the doors and going. You need your 11. The challenge, the, the commitment, the where were you last Sunday? Not in a demeaning way but where were you you're too important you're too important to miss it you're too important not to God loves you too much to leave you where you are and the 11 help you get to him 
Get your, get your people that's going to rip the roof apart yeah. and dangle you down to Jesus. Where are your people that do that for you? Get people in your world that make you better. Get people around you that inspire you, that make you bolder. I've, put, I've made up a word that make you faithier. Where's your people that make you faithier? You can't be in the room without going, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. He might pray, he might prophesy, he might, ooh. Where are those people at? Because they're in the room. You just don't know them. This is what messed me up. They were walking and talking with the breathing, living God and didn't know it. And didn't know it. I like to think if I was walking with Jesus, I'd know him well enough, have prayed enough, have heard his voice enough that I would recognise him. Yet they didn't recognise him till he broke bread, till he did the thing that he did most. It wasn't just the things that he said, it was the things that he did. I just sat there thinking, would I have known him? I know what we all think. Yeah, of course I would have known him. Of course, no, I wouldn't. I would have been just like this, just like them, eyes closed, minds wandering, minds questioning, even though the whole of the Old Testament points towards Jesus' death and resurrection. I still would have questioned it if he died and I'd watched him. I still would have questioned it. And the, the connotation... And I think the challenge of this message and what I'm trying to get across is that we can be in a move of God like the last six weeks where it feels immense. We can be right in the middle of a move of God and not know it. And not know it. Can you imagine if over 2,000 years ago he wasn't moved enough? He wasn't bothered enough. He was so bothered by you that he died. Even for you. Even for me. We're here today because Jesus was bothered by the state of this world. His humanity. It's not that he's annoyed. I need you to understand that. The word bothered has the negative connotation. He's not bothered in the sense of, come on, wants to hit you with that little stick from heaven. He's bothered because he loves you so much and he wants the relationship. It's not that he's angry at you or upset. And it bothered him enough, the separation between you and him, that he chose the most horrendous way to die to get that back with you. God was so bothered by you. There are people on the outside of these walls dying not knowing Jesus. It bothers me. He was so bothered that he humbled himself to humanity, so bothered that he chose to die, bothered that he gave up heaven. He was so bothered that he took the horrific way to make a holy connection for us. And he remains bothered today. He is bothered by you. you'll never be alone he is so bothered by you he continues to make himself known he is bothered by you 
and remains Emmanuel, God with us. He is bothered by the state of this world. And that shows your worth. What's our response? I don't need to preach. Chris has already done it. What's our response? Apathy? Indifference? Pathology? Sluggish? Unconcerned? No feeling? Indifference? At the very least, at the very least, I want to be a little bit bothered. I want to be bothered. The opposite to those I've just read. Alarmed, caring, eager, excited, frenzy, holy fury, passionate, vehement. Can we get a little bit of that in the church? I'm going to finish with this really quickly. This is the challenge that I really felt God challenged me on. Luke puts the emphasis of the crucifixion on the Jewish leaders. And what I got really challenged on is am I re-crucifying Christ by not being brave enough to talk about him? Not the physical action of crucifying him. But am I too bothered about what people are going to think about me? I won't talk about his name. Won't talk about his love. Won't talk about his grace. Won't talk about him as a person, what he's done for my life, the goodness of God. Am I so bothered about what a human thinks that I'll re-crucify him with my actions? I hope not. The challenge has been big enough for me that I hope not. Can I pray for you this morning? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are grace-filled, that you are everything we need in a moment. And I pray that this morning, this word has just helped us get a little bit closer to you. I pray that we will be bothered by your word, bothered by you, not in a negative way, but bothered because we want a relationship with the person that makes us alive. Amen. I won't finish the message, guys, without giving you an opportunity to meet him. He's changed my life and he's changed a lot of lives in this building. And I don't think it would be fair to speak on are we bothered about Christ and not give you an opportunity. And I don't want people to bow their heads and close their eyes. Because I think it's important that the church celebrates when another one comes into the family. So if you're bold enough, I'll count to three. I want you to lift your hand and say, listen, I don't know Jesus Christ. I don't know God, but I want to be alive and I want to see him. Do it boldly. Three, two, one. Amazing. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Heaven celebrates when people raise their hand. And so, God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that people have been added to your family. In Jesus' name, amen.